Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. I've exercised too many, Jordan. Too much, too many of, too many of moves? Too many moves for Jesse? What would you say is too, too much many move? exercise? To me, it's, I mean, if I'm frank, probably around three quarters. But <laughs> Three quarters of one exercise unit? Yeah, but I think two is too many, and mm-hmm. today I've done three. Oh my gosh. A tr- uh, you're, so you're basically a triathlete. I went to the flea market this morning. Okay. Two Are you counting markets. that as an exercise? Yeah, because I'm on my feet. I'm out there pumping Wheeling my and legs. dealing. Yeah. Okay. I, I should mention I do the I usually do the flea market on a recumbent bicycle. Okay. Well that yeah, that's gonna up your cardio. Okay. And then I went to the pool. I took okay. my daughter to the pool. Amazing. Lincoln Lincoln Park pool in Los Angeles. Now when you're when you're taking the kids to the pool, when you're dropping the kids off at the pool. Right. Are you shitting in the pool? No. <laughs> yes, uh, when you're when you're taking the kids at, at, to the pool, what are you, Jesse, Dad, doing? You mean at the when I'm at the pool? Yeah. Are you like well, you like know, a, could you, you mean I'm like packing a bag? I'm getting in a car. I'm driving. Oh, I guess I just mean while they're you know doing kid pool stuff. Oh, I guess I don't know. Maybe are they doing laps? Are they part of like a swim class or something like that or are they just no. messing around? No, not at all. They're just messing around and I'm just sure. there just trying to recognize the moment when fun tips into disaster. Okay. And strike just before it happens by like <laughs> just drawing them up under my arms right. like two bushels of straw. Have you thought about learning the Vulcan death grip? God, I would love that. Just conking them right out. They wake up in their beds safe and sound. Jordan, not only would this be perfect mm-hmm. for situations where I'm at the pool and I can see that things are about to go sideways, they're also perfect for when I'm on the bus and some punk rock guy won't turn off right. his goddamn boombox. And you know when things are going sideways, don't you? When the kids start drinking Merlot. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not drinking Merlot. <laughs> would never Remember drink that? Merlot from the movie Sideways. Um, you did a Star Trek thing. I did a sideways thing. <laughs> we probably should have done one of the two things, but we didn't. We each did our own thing. Go ahead. So yeah, went to the went to the Lincoln Park okay. pool. Well, hold on, hold on. Your your count. I'm just. I want to. I want to save you. You know. I want to save your menchies. When you're counting going to the pool as an exercise unit, right. What, how how what how when why are you counting that as an exercise? It doesn't sound like you're, you know, doing laps. It sounds like you're you're kind of just you're watching, which is fine, which you should do. That you're a good, I'm but it seems like you're counting water. this as an exercise. Okay. Do you have okay. any idea how much thicker water is than air? Sure. Yeah. Have you ever even been Not in as water? thick as blood? Though have you been in as water? The film Jordan. Sideways, Todd. Jordan. <laughs> Jordan. Have you ever been in water? Answer me that right now. Honestly, don't bullshit me because people are listening to this. Some I people. In, I was in my mother's womb for nine months. Wow. And I never felt more connected. Pulling the, to the womb card again, huh? Womanhood. Just because huh? I'm a I'm a petri dish baby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was gestated. 
Maybe that's not water. Maybe that's like some sort of fluid. Anyway. Yeah, I believe it's a fluid. I don't know what's in there. I'm just because know. Jordan, I'm swimming yeah. around in the in the shallow end. Okay. I'm doing that kind of back floaty swim where you do frog legs. Okay. I'm doing the reaches. I'm doing a little goofing around. I'm picking up kids, dumping them in the water again. All this, this is a, all this kind of stuff is going down going to, going down there at Lincoln Park. You throwing in change for the kids to dive for? Yeah. And I went to the lowrider show that was right right next door <laughs> there. So I did two important things at Lincoln Park. The lowrider show. Shout out to Eastside Bombas. Hosting, you know, the, I, I hear uh, dads don't throw change in the pool anymore. I hear they're throwing NFTs. Wow, <laughs> thanks, Jordan. They're just taking monkey gifs, sure. tossing them down, tossing them in the pool, and the kids are diving for those. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. And then I went and played basketball with my son. Okay, none of these constitutes more than ten total minutes of aerobic exercise. It's just that. Any minutes seem an excess to me. I think you are fine to go on the record as having done one exercise. With all of those modest exercise units, I think they add up to one. Which one is the one? Which ones are you erasing? Combined, they're one. You can't just erase the past. No, I would never do that. I love the past. It's how we... It's how we learn about the future you know wow anyway i think i think jesse good for you you're a wonderful father and you're gonna it's gonna get it's gonna get easier that tread and water is gonna get easier the walking around at the flea market and you're you're sore now but you're gonna be you're gonna be so jacked come swimsuit season jordan thinks he's so fucking great thinks he's so fucking great because he grew up in fluid (laughs) <laughs> thinks he's so fucking great because he's so good at treading water thinks he's so fucking great because he does one exercise every 20 minutes or whatever <laughs> that's true I can I count kegels <laughs> <laughs> I do count kegels kegels in that thing where you stretch out your finger you, you interlace your fingers and then Stretch them out forward right before no, you start No, I'm not typing. wasting my time with that. How's that help my pelvic floor? <laughs> it doesn't. So it is a waste of my time. <laughs> Sorry, my timer went off. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm, yeah. I'm worried that we should introduce our guest, but I'm not sure if he's going to be lost if he doesn't know that um, Jordan has a timer to time his diarrheas. Oh, <laughs> Jesse! I want. I told you I wanted the audience to think those were kegels. Well, you know, <laughs> secrets out. Oopsie. I'm a, I'm a diarrhea baby. <laughs> Is that somebody that has diarrhea as frequently as does a baby? No. Well, that's. I, I didn't grow up in fluid, like I said. <laughs> oh wow! Well, I guess wow. I technically did. Uh, wow. Wow, this just got yeah. way grosser than Jordan Jesse Go has ever been in all <laughs> of our years of talking about jacking off. Our primarily jack-off themed show. If, if we if I slow down, I die, Jesse. I'm a I'm like a shark. I make one diarrhea joke, which I immediately regret. And Jordan, you immediately fly me to the moon. 
<laughs> like old blue eyes. <laughs> That's why they brown call eyes, me. it sounds like. Oh, Jesse. Okay, now I liked my thing, but your thing? <laughs> Gosh. Jordan, you know we have an acclaimed novelist on the program, right? <laughs> oh, boy. What oh, no. I, I guess he left the Zoom. I'm sure it was a connection issue and not... <laughs> regret for booking himself on the show our guest on the program best-selling novelist i'm not afraid to say it jordan a thought leader (sighs) this guy's a thought leader all these thoughts would be completely lost without this guy uh he was longtime co-editor on boing boing um a longtime member of maximum fun for which we're very grateful and a lovely and delightful man who has a brand new book called Red Team Blues, Corey Doctorow. Hi, Corey. Hello. Thank you for having me on. That was delightful, especially hearing, I think that the word you're looking for for what you grew up in is not a liquid, but a slurry. Yeah. A there slurry. you go. Thank you, Corey. Thank you. Yeah. I, was, I was searching for the word. La Mojuste. Yeah. <laughs> uh Corey, you cringed a little bit when Jesse referred to you as a thought leader. Is that not a not a label you like? Yeah, you know, that feels like one step down from Ted Talker. And uh <laughs> Is no, that what a... people is that what people who have conducted TED Talks are known as? Ted Talkers. I think they're like are, uh, Ted are... Talk Ravians, Ted Talk Ted Talkeringians, something like that. Mm-hmm. Helen Zaltzman, our past guest on the program, I think did a TED Talk at some point. I'm going to have to let her know that she's a TED Talker from here on out. I, I know Zaltzman's work very well. I've been on a stage with her brother, Andy. Oh, a lovely uh, man. A delightful yeah. man. Yeah. Have you never Have you never been asked to TED Talk? Or maybe you have TED Talk. Oh, I've done TEDx, not... which is, you know, the low-rent TED. Yeah, they'll let anyone in that one. But no, I, I mean, can we tell tales out of school? Yeah. This I ain't got school, I, baby. This is classes. Classes I got over. Invited We're behind to do, the school smoking cigs. Yeah. Well, I got invited to do a storytelling hour that Neil Gaiman was putting together in Vancouver, and I just had a hip surgery. And I said, I'm not flying from London unless you can spring for business class airfare because I'm on Oxy. And they said, Ted can't afford business class airfare for the volunteers who come and speak to the people who pay $4,000 to attend. And I said, I'm not going. So that's as close as I ever came. And Neil, <laughs> wow. to his credit, was like, that was bogus. You did the right thing. So, I can't... so, Jesse, go ahead. so could they score you any oxy? No, I mean, I didn't need that. I had a Harley Street quack. I was living in London. They'll, they'll, they'll give you anything if you've got uh, private insurance. Yes. You you name it, it's 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 there. They've they've just got like a um a briefcase, a very nice one from Fortnum and Mason, you know, finished in kid leather. Uh <laughs> it's that's that is the that's how we do it in London. No, oh, the national health, right? Yeah. Well no no no, this is the uh, you do it on private. This is why they're so oh, anxious okay. to dismantle the the national health, because once everyone has private, you can just get all the oxy you need from a Harley Street quack. Yeah. <laughs> so tired of these Harley Street quacks. Jordan, just so you know. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time in the UK. Harley is a street in London that's famous for its ducks. It is. It is. It's it's right <laughs> near um it's right near the Serpentine where the all the ducks swim in the in the pond. They all mm-hmm. belong to the Queen and they can break a man's arm with their with their wings. Yeah. Wow, these sound like some powerful ducks we should eradicate. We're learning so much about the United Kingdom. Why did Helen Zaltzman <laughs> never tell us any of this? <laughs> 
because they, they like they like foreigners to be confused when they go over there. They walk right into the duck pond and they're deaf. Corey, I have an important question sure. about your new novel, Red Team Blues. Yes. Is it sort of tangential to your new novel, Red Team Blues, which is a it's like a it's like a, a cyber detective novel. Uh it's about called Red Team Blues. I like that you kept mentioning yeah. the title. Let's keep that up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the official title, Jesse, is Red Team Blues, available for, for pre-order now. Thank you. Correct. Crypto is some kind of weird scam, right? That is, in fact, the point of the novel. You have Great. nailed it in one. That is the oh, thesis. Spoilers. Thank you. <laughs> if you were, if you were like an English teacher asking your students, "What is the theme of this novel?" You've just completely nailed it. Yeah, it's for that, money laundering, correct? Uh not very well, which is one of the other points of this, because the, well, I, I don't want to get into a long discussion because you make your eyes glaze over and then your cerebrospinal fluid will start leaking out of your nostrils. But the 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 point that's not uh, where Jordan's leaks, if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, guys. Jordan, you didn't have a tail removed, did you? Because they put a little valve in sometimes for the for the excess cerebrospinal fluid when you get your tail removed. That's what I'm given mm-hmm. to understand. Yeah, I did. And I'm kicking myself. I wish I still had that tail. Oh, man. Was it prehensile? <laughs> it was. I could grab anything with it. <laughs> yeah, I bet I you're not kicking to... yourself in the tail. That's where you'd like to be kicking yourself. God, I would love to kick myself in the tail. Oh, Hard my to God. get a bathing suit when you got a tail, though. It's certainly like you can do That's like true. like baggies, but you can't do like a jammer. Like there's no Speedo that'll fit the tail. Can yeah. I make a suggestion? Land's End. You have all kinds yeah. of sizing options. Right. Tail, no tail. You can get one with a little skirt or without a little skirt. Great stuff. So the the point of the book is like it's it's how did the dream of tech that could do things that were exciting. A dream that I think you, Jesse, shared for for all that, you know, here we are making fun of stuff. But I, you know, you don't start a podcast network because because you're like, oh, this technology is bullshit and I don't care about it. Like we were excited about it. How did it curdle? Like what what how did the finance serpent in the gardens turn the internet into five giant websites filled with screenshots of text from the other four? And the most <laughs> sort of perfect version of that is crypto, right? It's like, like they, they say crypto is like a solution in search of a problem, but it's actually like a solution hoping to give you the problem of having too much real money that you have to trade for imaginary money so you can use the web. I mean, that's what that's what Web3 is, right? No using the web unless you buy my shit coins for me, and then I will collect a toll from you in those shit coins to use the web. As, as Kat Valenti said, like the theme of this stuff is stop talking to each other and start buying things. Should we be starting our own crypto or our own NFTs? Because it seems like everybody's getting rich but us. Everybody from Drake to um, that do- the meme dog, the, those monkeys with the hats that are friends with Steph Curry. Right. Well, if you're having a hard time listing them all, I suggest just going to the the FTC's website and looking up all the ones that there's current complaints against. And that, that's a pretty compre- comprehensive list. The DOJ's got a pretty good list, too. How how did NFTs all decide on that awful aesthetic? Where, where did that come from? Why are they all that? I, I think they were like they went to Fiverr and they said, which artist can we pay the least for this technology that's supposed to liberate artists? And they found the person making the monkey JPEGs, and that's what sorted it out. You know, I mean, the irony of NFTs, and again, like, I always feel stupid talking about crypto because it's so stupid, but the irony of NFTs is they were invented by a person who I think you probably know, Jesse, who's a good person named Anil Dash. Do you know Anil? 
Yeah, I know Neil yeah. Patrick. He's a really lovely guy. He is as lovely as they come. And what if he you said want, is like- Look, let me put it this way. If you want to hear an MP3 of Prince's original version of Nothing Compares to You that was never released because he decided to give the song to Sinead O'Connor, but you need to know somebody who knows somebody who got it off Prince's hard drive. And let's say that one of the somebody's drums for the roots. Anyway, none of this applies to any situation I know anything about. Sure. Or Anil Dash. <laughs> of course. So Anil was like, it would be really great since we've got this thing, the blockchain, where you can write a message that lasts forever. Say, you know, Jesse does me a solid, right? I got a new book coming out. He puts me on the podcast. So I could write into the blockchain. I could write a thing that says... Jesse Thorne, thank you, Corey Doctorow. And I could sign it cryptographically so that if you trusted my signing keys, if you thought that that was my key, then you'd be like, Corey Doctorow, really sign this thing for Jesse. That was the that was it. That was the entire idea. And then someone's like, hey, you know what you could do? You could sell the thank you note. And, and that's like the origin of this stuff, right? So like an NFT is like a URL, which you may or may not own. And uh, the name of the person who is like the giver and the name of the person who's the receiver. And there's no guarantee that the thing at the URL will be the same twice. So like your monkey JPEG might be a monkey JPEG today. It might be a poop emoji tomorrow. It might be a 404 error the next day, right? Um, I can create an NFT for your monkey JPEG, right? I can it just does be like, seem like monkey JPEG or poop emoji are the only two things. Right, it the can two be. genders. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can I can create an, uh, an NFT for MaximumFun.org. Right. Like I can create that NFT and sell it to someone else. And so can you. And then you can delete the website. And like the idea that, oh, we found a way to do digital ownership. Ooh, this Jesse, is like, that's a good idea. Delete the website. Then people <laughs> won't know that we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> it's like the least ownership like thing you can imagine. Corey, yeah. No, here's an important question. Is Jordan Jesse go in the blockchain because we do not want it to live forever? Yeah. <laughs> we insist that it be removed from the blockchain. Whatever the blockchain is, delete Jordan <laughs> Jesse go. Message to monkeys. Delete Jordan <laughs> Jesse go. Bored apes, you're so bored because you've been listening to this podcast. So, uh, you know We're the blockchain sorry. like only holds these tiny little messages. So, although there are a few longer form works and they're mostly all there are, are URLs. Right. So like, it's not like there's a, like when people say, oh, there's stuff in the, in the blockchain. I mean, yes, there's records of transactions, but when people say like, oh, there's a copy of Mein Kampf in the, in the blockchain, it's just like, you know, Gutenberg.org slash Mein-Kampf or something. Right. It's not, it's not like someone's putting long form works in this thing that has to be continuously recomputed by millions of computers. That's very expensive. I have the money if it would delete Jordan Jesse Go. <laughs> It's well, you know, um, one of the points of the book is that this has actually happened, right? This this immutable blockchain that everyone agrees solves problems by never being erasable or changeable. Like the Ethereum blockchain, like they they were like, you know what we should do? We should do this thing where like lots of people can pool their money together using a smart contract, which is just a fancy word for a bad computer program. And uh, and then like do stuff with it, make cool things happen. And then like instantly someone stole $50 million. And they were like, oof, that's a bad look. How about if we all get together 
and we'll just make a new blockchain and pretend the old one doesn't exist. And we'll all pay attention to the new one. So it turns out that like the immutable ledger is immutable right up into the moment where you're like, oh, that's terrible. And then you can mute it as much as you want. Can I, t- can I tell you something important, Corey? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't going to say this, but um, I'm the guy that stole the $50 million of Ethereum. And it was because I needed Jordan Jesse Go deleting money. <laughs> but now I'm ready. Now I stand ready. I'll buy as many monkeys as I need to. Good. To Good. delete Jordan Jesse Go. <laughs> Corey, I have some non crypto questions. Oh, good. About the Those novel. are my favorite questions. Uh, first, unless they're about brief- AI, then they're bad <laughs> questions. Go. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, I will not ask you to uh, criticize Stanley Kubrick's final film. <laughs> um, Corey, you do a pretty spectacular piece of naming in the book. Uh, your tech mogul guy's name, Danny Laser with a Z. Yes. Yeah, uh, so my secret weapon for naming is that whenever I need to name a character, I think of people who kind of remind me of it or careers or fields that remind me of it. And I go and I look up like famous people with that name. So when I wanted to name my Azerbaijani gangsters, I looked up like old Azeri finance frauds from like the, the you know, pre-revolutionary era and just gave people the names of famous you know, 19th century, late 19th century, uh, a Jerry, you know, um, mafiosi. Right. And so laser was like, uh, Danny laser was a combination of, uh, two different, uh, early tech pioneers that were cypherpunks that were involved in early cryptography. Uh, all of the names are like that. So like Marty Hench is, is named after, uh, John Hench, who's the Disney Imagineer. I wanted someone kind of mid-century. Uh, all of my names come from that. When we went into the studio to record the audiobook with Will Wheaton, he was like, how do you pronounce this name? And I'm like, that is the name of, uh, like a Czech, uh, uh, composer from the 17th century that I looked up and I didn't bother looking up the pronunciation. <clears throat> I just thought it had a nice resonance. So then we had to all stop and look up how to pronounce Czech surnames. Yeah, sometimes you got to check on that. Sometimes you got to check on that. (laughs) Uh, Your main character is like, um, let me know if I'm mischaracterizing this. He's kind of a van life guy. (laughs) I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, he's like, his deal is that he's a forensic accountant who foils Silicon Valley finance scams. He's been doing it for 40 years. And, And along the way, his deal is, I'll find your missing money. And however much of it that I find... Uh, that it's left when I'm done, you give me 25% of it. And and I take nothing up front. If nothing comes of it, then I get nothing, even if I work on it for years. Uh, and one of his clients is a, a rock star whose manager has stolen all his money. And he finds the money and the rock star doesn't have to go on tour. He can retire. And the rock star had bought a luxury tour bus and he doesn't have any liquid cash. So he just gives Marty the bus. So Marty drives around in this 34-foot luxury tour bus with marble countertops called the Unsalted Hash, which is a little cryptography joke. And uh, and he, he he drives around doing van life. Exactly. He, he lives in Walmart parking lot and just kind of bums around making porterhouse steaks and drinking good bourbon and meeting people at the next campsite. That's, that's his deal when he's not working. He's like, I, I finish a job. I stop working and I uh, uh, go and bum around until my money runs out. And then I go and I look for another job. And I'm going to keep doing that until I die. Have either of you been on a tour bus before? I've spent like an afternoon on a tour bus. I've never lived on a tour bus. 
Jordan, have you ever been on a tour bus? I have briefly been on some tour buses when I was doing like um, field piece interviews for Field TV when we would do like mule, uh, music festival type stuff. Sometimes they would request for the interviews to be done on the tour bus. Uh, I've been on AFI's tour bus. Like the American Film Institute? Yeah. Uh, no. You the, were on uh, one of their top 100 tour buses. <laughs> yeah, the like goth rock band. Oh, goth AFI. rock band. I think it stands Fair. for A Fire Inside. Oh, right. Okay. I, a uh, fun AFI connection, um, I once got uh, drunk at an art show where there was an open bar, and I, uh, you know, got home the next day and found uh, someone had emailed me a receipt, and I was like, oh, fuck, I bought some art, didn't I? I fucking bought some art, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the art show was up for... Um, you know, like two weeks. So I had spent two weeks just thinking, I'm like, what is this thing? Like, and then I had to like email back and forth with the person who put it on. And, she, you know, obviously maybe not surprisingly, this person was a, a weird flake. Right. And kept asking me to meet them further and further out to pick up this thing that I didn't know what it was. It's like, can you come to San Diego? It's like, I can't come to San Diego. I'm sorry. Like, finally, I think it was Christmas Eve. In my mind, it was Christmas Eve. I met them on a corner in like Koreatown. And she like hands me this like bubble wrapped, you know, slab of wood. Wait, wait. Does it say live, laugh, love? No, God, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? The original. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is the, all the other ones are copies. <laughs> Nicolas Cage will try and steal it from you. So what was it? It was a painting of a cat burning down a police station. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and it was painted by the bass player of AFI and it is still in my living room. It's fucking beautiful. All cats wow. are badasses. All cats are badasses. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, uh, yeah, apparently I have excellent taste when I'm drunk. There was a brief period where I was supposed to, it looked like I was, we were going to book an interview on Bullseye with Willie Nelson. Mm. And my producer just called me one day and was like, we think we're going to be able to do the Willie Nelson thing. I was like, that's amazing. And he goes, it has to be on the tour bus. And they want to warn you, the tour bus is always hot boxed. <laughs> I was like, I guess. I mean, how could you say no, right? Could you, you do it in a respirator? <laughs> exactly. Just wear like a one of those Star Trek helmets with the tubes coming out of it and shit. I think I was thinking like fun. a like a scuba mouthpiece. You could take it out to ask the question and then just get it back in there. Yeah. Or just like just do the most stoned interview of all time and the whole thing is just you asking him if the word museum sounds weird. <laughs> museum, right? Gazebo. Museum. I didn't know anything about tour buses particularly until I was touring with Judge Sean Hodgman. We do not have a tour bus. We're one level below tour bus. Oh, now sadly. I'm disappointed. I know. I I would love Jesse, to. Jesse, get a get a I mean for the sake of your image, man, get a bus. I are touring You're the engineer. Rock, it's the Rock and Roll Judge podcast. If people see you pulling up in a rented Kia, I know. If people see White Snake pulling up to the whiskey in a Hyundai, they're going to want their money back. You now, if it's go- a Kia, that's different. 
Yeah, no, I mean, a Kia is a, a, Kia is a really sleek car. And I think yeah. people are impressed because we're driving mid-size and full-size SUVs because there's got to be room for four people plus the stuff in the back. So, right. I mean, that's a pretty, I'm not bragging about it, but it's it's pretty impressive to people outside the whiskey. Mm-hmm. So I talked to Matty B, the touring engineer for Judge John Hodgman, and he does not generally follow, you know, comedy courts around the country doing recordings his real job is making bands sound good and uh he likes touring with us because it's easy and we're nice um (laughs) we're not drunk i'm not drunk um and uh he tours with a band called destroyer uh, i believe quebecois yeah, bodes uh, well. Good name. Yeah, heavy rock band. Speaking of being drunk, um, uh, and a, you know, very popular band that plays you know twelve hundred seat venues or whatever. So they mm. they tour in a bus, mm. and there's also too many of them to get into one SUV and too much gear, right? So they tour in a bus, and the thing that I did not know about touring in a bus that blew my fucking mind is that when you tour in a bus. You shower at the venue. Like all your human needs are met by a shower, like at the third floor of a converted movie theater in Dubuque. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and that shower, like when you shower, like Al Jolson has showered in there. You right. Know what I mean? So there's still blackface on the tile, is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a shower from a different time. It's a different time. It was. A, I mean, I'm guess like I have seen tour buses that have like camp, uh, like RV style showers, but my guess is that you just like don't want to. You don't have that much water, and you know your heater doesn't have much capacity, and you've got a sludge tank that you've got to empty out. So like if you've got five people showering, that's like then someone has to drive the bus and sludge it. Yeah. And refill the water tanks. Yeah. And if it's sledging can be difficult, especially if you're not driving over a bridge in Chicago, which right. is where you traditionally. I hate Illinois Nazis. Dump the excrement. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. Uh, like, Corey, you were doing a Blues Brothers thing and Jesse was doing a Dave Matthews Band thing. Right. Right. What if Dave Matthews Band were in the Blues Brothers? It might sound <laughs> a little something like this. Right. <laughs> Wait, Jesse, I'm getting a call. Uh, Funnier dies back in business? <laughs> they want this to be their first video back? But they're going to do it like a, it's going to be a Quibi. Yeah. It's going to be a Quibi. They, yeah. They've been rebooted and merged with Quibi. Well, so a lot of the stuff in the book is about logistics. You know, um, when, you're, when you're writing a uh, book, you want to have a, a lot of like business going on where you can just have the – otherwise just the character like thinking – or, or people just talking, like, you know, unless they're running all the time or hiding, like there's a lot of like, you know, stuff that amounts to monologue or dialogue and you want business. And a lot of the business for Marty is tour bus logistics, right? Like, you know, he, he like has a conversation and then, you know, he's an old man, so he needs a pee and he goes like, uh, how's my sludge tank? Can I, can I pee in the bus? Do I need to go in the Walmart? Uh, and there's just a lot of kind of background radiation of that. And at a certain point, you know, spoiler, not really a spoiler because it happens pretty quick. Um, the cryptographic keys that Marty's been hired to find 
uh, are part of a bit of skullduggery between Azerbaijani gangsters and uh, Mexican narcos, along with various corrupt U.S. three-letter agencies. And at a certain point, he just becomes homeless. He just He's just like, the only place where I can hide in San Francisco is the place where tens of thousands of people are completely invisible, and that's in a tent on the street. And then it just becomes about bundle bucky logistics because he is not actually homeless. And one of the things he's trying to do is a bunch of forensic accounting on uh, a blockchain to find gangsters and expose them. And so he's got like a laptop and a bunch of other stuff, cash, and he's got this bundle buggy that he's like lugging around. And of course, San Francisco Public Library, the first library to ever hire a a social worker, has a place where people who don't have houses can lock up their stuff so they can go inside and use the computers and read books and use the bathrooms. So like this becomes a safe haven for him. Uh, I'm a big SFPL stan. I I, uh, I really love that main branch library. I think it's a beautiful facility. No choice but to stand this lending legend. Yeah. Micro, microfiche for days at this place. Yes. I've never been. I'd love to go sometime. You, you joke, but I dropped out of ninth grade for a month before the school figured it out and called my parents and told them I wasn't showing up. And what I did is I took the subway downtown every day and went to the Metro Reference Library and looked at microfilm. And I wow. did this thing. It was like it was like pre-web. So I was just You're like, like, what's more school than this? <laughs> that would be like, I, I, I've heard about Jonestown. What is Jonestown? I've heard about it. I'm going to go find the contemporaneous newspaper reports about Jonestown. I literally did that for a month at Bloor and Young in Toronto before the school figured out that I was missing. Corey, and my parents and I had a long fight. I don't know if you've ever thought of this idea, but I'm just going to pitch it to you real quick. What if you became a nerd? did the library employees like clock that this kid was coming in here every day around school hours they were they were absolutely cool about it i think the only thing they cared about was that i was um treating the film and the machines with respect right like they, they just wanted to make sure i wasn't breaking nothing I was just like insatiably drawn to it. I'm kind of bummed that we are beyond the era of film and fiche, to be honest. Both of them, I mean, I think probably most significantly could be made to fit in your butthole. Go on. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, an individual (laughs) roll of film. I don't think a cabinet full of film, not even Goatsy Man can do that. (laughs) Well, (laughs) just a corner of the cabinet maybe for that guy. We can rely on Cory Doctorow to bring allusions to what we'll call the classical internet. (laughs) Ah, yes. Wait. I, I hope the lemon party comes up at some point. Here comes here comes the Usenet jokes. You just wait. Friends, <laughs> let us discuss Zombo.com. <laughs> Who does all your base belong to? <laughs> to whom? To, <laughs> to, to us. That is who our base Whom's belongs to. Who amongst us has not owned a base? <laughs> um Jesse, I w- when I was uh I cracked Corey's book today and had a, a great time. Um and the van life stuff had me wondering about your van. You are a man with a uh, a particular van. Yeah. If 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 it came to it, could you van life out of that thing? Just just bail on everything, Corey. For your benefit, I ha- I own a tiny Japanese van. Oh, that's cool. I thought it might be your like th- um, thrifting and flea market van. Is that what you use it for? Yes, that is actually what I use it. Did for. Did I see it at the Pasadena Flea? Yeah, you might. Yeah, I think you met it. I think you met it in Pasadena, and uh, 
my tiny Japanese van, well, it has advantages and disadvantages as a van life vehicle. One advantage is it does have push button four wheel drive. So I could throw it into four wheel drive. I would say that given that it essentially has the wheels of a, uh, like an ATV or something. It was like six inch wheels. Um, I don't know what I could climb up or over using the four wheel drive. So the four wheel drive is available. Right. Uh, but I don't know for if, what it could be. If you used. want to get most of the way to the hills and to the top of the hills in Silver Lake, yeah. that's your van. Right. I would say another plus is that it's reasonably fuel efficient. Okay. Um, and so that's good. Uh, a negative would be that if something breaks, you have to order it from Japan. Mm. Um, mm. Pretty good van much life vehicle no matter for Japan. what it is. Yeah. You could, if you could like uh, oh, get yeah. it on a container ship to Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's not a bad idea. And I would say that it is, you know, a, a good thing about it is that it is probably big enough that if I fold all the seats flat, which all the seats do fold flat. Um, I could sleep in there for sure. Uh, I would say for van life purposes, one problem would be that its top speed is about 50 miles an hour. So I would really have to be only van lifing from place to place where there is a well-developed street road network. Sure. Jesse, I don't know if you heard, but van life, it's slower. It's slower than regular life. It's not the rat race. It's for people who want to live and be present. I want to. I want someone to drive me around in a luxury bus. Oh, okay. Well, I know the guy. Unfortunately, yeah. he's fictional. Do you think that Judge John Hodgman could? I, I don't want to say open for. Maybe they would open for you, but maybe you could tour with Destroyer. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we could tour with Destroyer. The only problem is that we already have a tour booked with the Locust. Oh yeah, mm. sure. So you know, like, yeah, you don't want to drop out of you don't want to drop out of that. That uh, they're litigious. Those locusts. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen Anvil: The Story of Anvil. Yeah, Anvil: The uh, yes. Story yeah. of Anvil, delightful documentary oh, about a God. second tier, third tier heavy metal band who, from Canada. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna ask. Were was it was a young Corey Doctorow at, no. at at Anvil shows? No, I used to go to bare naked ladies shows at the Scarborough Town Center. Though that was <laughs> yeah. that was that was my. That's like I saw strong. Green Day at Gilman Street. <laughs> yeah, are you like a like I liked them before they were cool guy oh, about the bare naked ladies? I still like them. I liked them before oh, they sure. were cool. I like them now. I have their uh, I have their yellow cassette somewhere that that had their like their six song EP that I bought from their mom at a show at a mall. I have a I have a question, uh, wow. guys, about yeah. this whole thing. Yeah. Without making any judgment regarding quality, we are presupposing that at some point the bare naked ladies were cool. <laughs> they were cool in Canada. Like, look, I think everyone respects their craft. We all love a well written pop tune. So I think you're underestimating the kind of sweaty desperation that Canadians have to be validated by Americans. And so that that that, that just like that, the merest hint of recognition south of the border immediately transforms anything Canadian into sort of amazingly totally cool for 15 minutes, at which point they become sellouts who have gone to America. 
Is this why the Prime Minister of Canada is Patois rapper Snow? <laughs> um, you know, I, I kind of think he might do a better job than JT, to be honest. <laughs> I have I have Snow's first cassette. I got it from his mom. <laughs> you guys want to uh, you guys want to catalog our Snow cassettes and then uh, come back for a little bit more? We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Uh, Jordan Morris, boy detective. You know every episode of Jordan, Jesse Go brought to you by you, the members of Maximum Fun. By the way, members of Maximum Fun, I hope that you are enjoying Stash Rules Everything Around Me, our exclusive Burt Reynolds recap podcast, exclusive only to Maximum Fun members and Burt Reynolds. We gave Burt Reynolds, we're giving Burt Reynolds officially courtesy invite <laughs> if you can hear us down there bert you can listen we'll send you a special link there are no paywalls in heaven <laughs> heaven huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay fair enough <laughs> uh we are also supported this week by the folks over there at stitch fix we of course we've talked many times about what stitch fix is basically you go on to the stitch fix website you do a fun little quiz about what kind of stuff you like to wear, and then a combination of their super smart algorithm and an actual human being stylist pick clothes out for you that fit and that fit your personal style. Stitch Fix always sends me great stuff. Uh, I got a box from them recently. Got some fun summertime shirts because, you know, that season is just around the corner. That's something fun you can do with Stitch Fix. You can tell your personal stylist, you know, kind of what you're looking for. Do you need something for the office? Do you need something for vacay? Do you need shoes? Do you need shorts? Yeah, and they will help you out. I always get something I love in my Stitch Fix boxes. And the stuff that's not quite right, it's real easy to send back. You got a prepaid envelope. You just shove the stuff that's uh, not quite right in there, mail it back, super easy, and you keep what you like. Uh, and I always do like something in my Stitch Fix box. They'll even make you a little store if you want to, and you can just buy things one at a time. Right now, Stitch Fix offering our listeners $20 off their first fix at stitchfix.com slash jjgo. That's stitchfix.com slash jjgo for $20 off today. stitchfix.com slash jjgo. We're also supported this week by our friends at Lumi Labs. We're talking about the microdose people, Jordan. Oh, yeah. If you want a good entry-level dose of THC that helps you feel just the right amount of good microdose.com is the place to go lumi labs they got these gummies and they are they they got just a little a, a whisper a whispering summer kiss of thc it's not going to you know gonk you out on the couch um but it's going <laughs> to no, gonna... no whispering summer kiss whatever gonk yeah. <laughs> a whispering kiss doesn't gonk i shan't gonk you i shan't <laughs> gonk you uh, yeah, these these gummies are great. They really, really taste good, and yeah, they're they're awesome for when you're unwinding at the end of the day. Maybe you need a little help getting to sleep. They're useful. They're tasty. They're 
fun. Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com. Use code JJGO to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com, code JJGO. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Uh, my name is Linus Torvalds, and I pronounce Linux Linux. Oh no! This guy invented <laughs> Linux. This guy's op- open sourcing it over here. That's the the sound file to make sure your sound card works in Linux. By the way, is you it know, really? Yeah, I think this is an innovative episode of the show for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, one, you know, the diarrhea thing. Yeah, slurry. Us, the sl- excuse me the <laughs> the slurry incident. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think Corey, the first guest to introduce themselves, not just with a nickname, but for an enti- with an entirely different character. Oh yeah, yeah. I I can't do any more of that. I my my uh, making fun of Finns is limited to just Lena Storvald's jokes. Uh, <laughs> maybe the odd the odd sauna joke. I uh, I thought you were going to say Jordan. I'm pretty sure Corey is the first guest ever to record Jordan Jesse Go in Linux. This is our first open source guest. <laughs> it's it's entirely possible. I, I if you want, I can go whole hog and I can say, you know, technically it's GNU slash Linux, which most people call Linux, but it should probably be called GNU slash Linux, which acknowledges yeah. the contribution made by the Free Software Foundation and the GNU movement. That's well, the full name of Linux. A lot of people don't know that. I'm recording this in DR DOS, so nice, nice. And I'm recording it right onto a single. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jordan. It's got kind of a retro fun. You're destroying that perfectly good copy of Layer Head on My Pillow by Tony, Tony, Tony. (laughs) So where where do I send the wax cylinder when I'm done? No one's told me that yet. Jordan, without the wise words of all four one, how will you know how in love you are? (laughs) Classic singles. (laughs) Um, how will I know how horny Paula Abdul is for a cartoon cat? <laughs> She's so corny. She's I so saw horny for that cat. I it's, saw a Kasingle, uh, like a modern Kasingle, at the uh, at South by Southwest, and it was this guy. He had these things. They were little plastic case things with a watch battery in them, and there was a room to slip some artwork in them. And they had a tiny speaker on the bottom, and you installed an app on your phone. And you held this up to your phone's microphone and it played a hypersonic chirp that had a unique number in it that corresponded to some music that would then download to your phone. And it was like the first collectible music for your phone. And uh, he seemed very earnest and like each of the pieces was kind of interesting. But as a package, I've just found it like not just baffling, but like. Holy moly, like how how did you come to the point where you spent however many thousands of dollars it costs to have a booth and a staff at South by Southwest and a bunch of prototypes to come and try and pitch this to the people who've shown up at South by? It was very weird. That's why we we put out Jordan Jesse Go on MP3. Yes, via RSS feed, sure. Mm. But for people who are collectors, we also put it out on hit clips. <laughs> right. Oh, nice. 
And coming soon, PSP UMDs. Yeah. <laughs> Listen right on your PlayStation Underwear portable. of mass destruction. Mm-hmm. I believe that's correct. Yes. That would be that would be the underwear full of slurry. Oh no, more slurry. Here comes the slurry. Chicks and ducks and geese batter scurry. <laughs> when I make them into a slurry. Corey, you got the part. Thank you. Thank you're you. You're the lead. You're the lead in the Jordan Jesse Go musical. It's slurry the role I was born a, to play. Slurry with a turd on top? Would that be? <laughs> I don't know what you're parodying, but sure. <laughs> sure. Paint your wagon, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, you're supposed to be a musical theater nerd. Come on, get it together. My musical theater nerdery basically starts and stops with rent. That's interesting. That's an yeah. interesting entry and exit point. I mean, it is a classic of our generation. Yeah, it is definitely like it it was the hottest shit in high school when I started high school and it was the thing that like the, you know, the drama kids put on at lunch. Uh, you know, like put it on the, you know, CD player. Oh, not like standing on the tables in the cafe or anything. No, uh uh yeah, oh. we were we were about I was like that did annoying. you go to the fame school? We were almost that annoying, not not quite. I think like <laughs> I think I think being being timid beta has probably kept us from doing that, but I think it 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 crossed our minds. And then we saw it at like the Orange County Performing Arts Center with with uh, Neil Patrick Harris, who oh, I Doogie Howser at Doogie Howser, MD. Um, did, uh, did you guys and either of you do his uh, magic box that came out Christmas before last? The one box. Oh no, a- I I heard that was Neil Patrick Harris. Is, it's like a magic guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he's he's the I don't know patron saint of the of the Magic Castle now, but he did this box of like self performing tricks and riddles and stuff that ends up telling a story. It's really good. It's really really good. I wrote one of these for Disney. I wrote a haunted mansion one of these for Disney called Ghost Post. And having built one of these, I was really impressed. Nothing Neil Patrick Harris could do could impress me because I happen to know there are literally guys out there. 15, 16 years old medical doctors practicing medicine right now. So what's so great about Neil Patrick Harris? Fair. That's a good point. (laughs) We're we're calling you out, NPH. Um, Hey, we're calling out Neil Patrick Harris. Good point. Which is ironic because someone has called us on the phone and (laughs) left a message. (laughs) If you have a momentous occasion, call us at 206-984-4FUN or send us a voice memo at jjgo at maximumfun.org. An example of someone who has done this because a momentous occasion occurred in their life is this person. Hi, Jordan, Jesse, and possible guest. I'm going to go with the Blue Yoshi. Close. I'm uh, calling with a momentous occasion. I was a – this is Casey from Seattle, and I am calling because I was – Coming out of the grocery store, putting stuff in my car. The car next to me had the uh, window down, and I um, just hear this lady saying, "It's a me, your mama." Please call me back. And then she just drove away. Please call me back. <laughs> so it was great. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Love you. Bye. Love you too. Uh, I do think. That sad parents should try doing characters more often. Like, hey, I'm I'm sorry that I said you had to go to college. Are you on my kid anymore? 
<laughs> I'm just thinking that like my mother could do her mother. So she could just call me up and like, hello, it's your mother. You never call, you never write. I'm so lonely. That would be, you know, kind of a kind of a kind of a callback to to Booby right. and what we miss about her. <laughs> and I guess you don't even have to like, you know, if your parent isn't a great performer. I guess they don't have to like slip totally into character. It could just be like something like, you know, Jordan, I'm sorry that I, you know, constantly suggest that you should go back to grad school. Schwing. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, that was a Canadian joke. Yeah. Uh, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess I was I was pulling it from Wayne's World. Yeah. Starring and Canada's written by own. Canadian Mike Myers. From Scarborough. Home of the Scarborough Town Center, birthplace of the bare naked ladies. Full circle. Here we here we are. <laughs> We've come to you, full circle. Mike Myers really like leaned into being Canadian in his late career. Like everything post Austin Powers was kind of Canadian, right? Well, except for the brown face movie. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he should have been a little more Canadian there. Yeah. I watched uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer. That's a good movie. As a recent adult, maybe yeah. four years ago, something like that. I never saw it as a kid. I knew it only as they shot some scenes down the street from my childhood home, which was very exciting to me as a mm -hmm. child um, because he was the guy from Saturday Night Live. But like, uh, I had never seen it. For those who have seen it, it occupies some place in your heart, whether positive or negative already, that I will not be able to affect. Um. For those who have not seen it, uh, it is mostly a pretty charming, very sort of like 90s, this is what people think is cool, right? Uh, romantic comedy. There's like a um, there's like a running thing about like beat poetry, right? Like he goes to mm -hmm. a That's right. coffee shop, which was like very cool, you know, like ooh, he hangs out at a coffee shop and like it's does... uh, it. I think it's supposed to be brainwashed down in in Soma. Besides that, besides the serviceable to pleasant romantic comedy that shows you that Mike Myers could act like a human being in a lovely and charming way, I think one of his best just acting like a guy roles. Um, uh, very, very fun, very charming. Uh, then also for some reason he plays his own dad with an incredibly broad and intense Scottish accent. Yep. Like they yep. just like Mike Myers was like, Oh, this is too regular. I'm going to play my own dad with a weird Scottish accent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And and also th there's his mom, the horny Scottish lady. That's also a very weird and uncomfortable part. So that really fancy apartment, that apartment was Matt Hahn from Tech TV. I don't know if you ever knew him. And Suzanne Stefanak, who had been Jello Biafra's roommate during the mayoral race uh, and who now broadcasts Radio Free Zorka out of Billings, Montana. And uh, they both lived in that apartment. They had crazy stories about it. And they rented it out to the production crew. For for that for that show, that is a truly classic. The apartment that he lives in, in that movie, is just such a classic. Like, cool people live in cool loft apartments. Yep. Apartment, um, it, that I don't think exists anymore. I think no. long long lost are the days when, uh, 
you know, uh, Billy Crystal had that wagon wheel coffee table. Right. In uh, when Harry met Sally. <laughs> Although, you know? you know, you just did that, that uh, Judge Sean Hodgman episode with the couple who lived in a Masonic temple. I was pretty impressed with that. Yeah. As a guy who lived in a, in a very impractical warehouse for 10 years, I was like, oh, my God, they are living the fucking dream. Corey, do you, ever, do you ever miss the warehouse? Are there I times do. when you like feel nostalgic for the warehouse? Well, we had a good community, right? It was just, it was like weirdos. There was this um, retired Navy gunnery sergeant who made crazy assemblage clock sculptures and this German, you know, avant-garde painter and a couple of web people and a photographer and a guy who did lights for heavy metal shows and was on the road six months a year. And it was just, and then there was a soundstage next door and the soundstage would have these productions that were incredibly inconsistent it and they would just like they'd park in our driveway and they'd be all over and they'd shine lights in our window in the middle of the night and it was managed by this guy who was like this old drunk who lived next door a guy called dane and one day we were talking to one of the soundstage guys and he was like i don't understand why you people are so pissy with us when we're here we give dane so much money for the inconvenience for to to give to you guys and he says you know like you're not happy with it and we give him more money and i don't know how much money you want to, to, to let us just do our jobs here. Needless to say, Dane never gave us a fucking dime. Fucking Dane. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Dane, man. I assume he's dead now. He was quite old then. So. <laughs> it's funny, Corey, because you describing that my dad lived in some sort of techno commune in San Francisco in the 70s. Right. Called Project One. Right. That and all I really know about it is that his friend Lee Felsenstein from high school also lived there. I knew both of them. I knew I knew your dad and I knew Lee because I knew them from the Jahai project. And then also this guy who <laughs> like I think the main economic engine of this techno futurist commune in San Francisco in the 70s. Uh, was a guy who was like a few different guys who did lights for metal concerts. <laughs> like, I think it was like so, guys inventing new light shows for Grateful Dead or, or, or whatever. Like, uh, like people who were working on sequencing lights to turn on and off with the music or whatever. Um, like that was the main thing that was bringing in the dough that was paying the rent over right. there at, at Project One. Well, our lighting guy, he didn't pay our rent or anything. We all paid our own rent, but he definitely kept us from electrocuting ourselves because we were always like putting up extra lights and putting in fans and running wires. And like none of the units had bathrooms when we moved in. And so like if you want, there was like a shower down the hall, but if you wanted a shower in a toilet, you'd have to put it in. And then inevitably you'd be like, you know what I also need is I need a light in here. Why don't I just run an extension cord next to the bathtub? And it was Eric's job to come over and say, Jesus Christ, do not do that, right? He, he let you know when there were some badasses circulating that's right yeah don't do the bad electricity the the brown electricity is bad yeah he definitely he definitely saved our lives more than once i'll go ask this question to both of you would you rather live a warehouse life or a van life oh man if you had to leave it all now in how many warehouse mo- okay. or van yeah if i'm living a van life yeah how many motel sixes do i get a month Oh, great question. Um, you and can, do I have a YMCA membership? Uh, yes, you have oh, a YMCA yeah. membership, and you can do uh, two Motel 6s a month. Two doesn't feel like enough Motel 6s a month to me. 
Right. This well, is I mean, be a you can call Tom Bodette and see if you can get more. Well, I mean, he's waiting up. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he already told us. I he mean, can't le- uh, he cannot leave the light on for you anymore. He got the bad electricity. <laughs> I have a I have a question about the warehouse lifestyle. Yeah, and I can answer this because I have thought this out. Sorry, go ahead. Do I have a bathroom in the warehouse? There is a porta potty that some construction workers left behind. Okay, who's sluicing it? <laughs> you, who's, you, t- who's dealing with the slurry is what we want to know. Everybody, it's this is a communal situation, so there's a slurry wheel, and you spin the slurry <laughs> wheel every week, and, that, and whoever, that person's turn. Whoever's name comes up has to drive to a bridge in Chicago. Yes, right. exactly. <laughs> to briefly play maracas for the Dave Matthews Band and... Oh boy, this is a tough one. I mean, but there is is there a sh- like Corey when the apartments didn't have their own bathrooms? Where did everyone go to the bathroom? There was like a communal toilet down the hall. There was you know a couple of couple of uh, laundry machines and like two showers and and two toilet stalls. And we'd you know if someone was having a party or whatever, we'd send people down there when there was like a line at the bathroom too. Um, so that was you know it wasn't like it was. It wasn't legal to live there, right? It was there were formerly they were commercial, right? And so we were we were all, including the landlord, living illegally in the building. And so, like for me, you know, like if I'm being um, if I'm being uh, a good person who is thoughtful about my own limitations and foibles, I would say the van because I am a pack rat. And one of the things I know about living in a warehouse is I will fill that motherfucker. Uh, and, you know, Jesse, I, I dote on you talking about your your fleas and your um, and your thrifting adventures, because like I've had to really curtail that because I have a problem with it. When I when I um, when I left Toronto, I put 100 boxes in storage. When I came back a decade later for my wedding, I went and cleaned out the storage and got it down to 12 boxes, which I shipped to London. They arrived like, you know, two months later, we shipped them sea freight and I got them into my office there and I unpacked them and repacked them. And there was only one box of stuff I wanted to keep out of those hundred boxes that was boiled down to 12. And that one box is sitting next to me and I still haven't unpacked it. I've got a follow up question for Jordan. Sorry, I wasn't paying attention when you were talking. No, no, fair. (laughs) No, you know, Jesse, Corey gave a very uh, beautiful and thoughtful answer that uh, showed a lot of self-reflection, self-awareness. Corey's done the work. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I guess my question is, in yeah. which of these scenarios, the van or the warehouse, could I have a sea do? <laughs> I mean, I think both, probably. If you got a, if you have a, a trailer hitch, the van could probably pull that guy. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's some sort of storage on the sea do, so maybe you could, you know, like throw some, you know, Sixers of Coors Light back there. Okay, follow up question yeah. for both of you. Let's say Corey already chose van life. Yeah. I think, you know, granted, do I do I have four other members of my family who wouldn't fit in the van? Yes. Is that <laughs> technically a reason I should choose van life? Yes. Um, <laughs> so maybe I should choose van life too. But let's say we're all choosing, choosing van life here. Okay. You got a trailer hitch on the back. You can put a Sea-Doo or yep. a dirt bike. Which one do you put on there? Oof. <sighs> Dirt bike. You know, I'm 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 going sea do. I mean, we joke about slurry, but 
I, I, I'm a child of the sea. I'm just. But yeah. you're a swimmer. The swimmer's I'm... natural enemy is the sea dew. <laughs> oh yeah, that's just right. Why I mean, would I... you are like, yeah. See, as right. a, I'm a swimmer too, and I have to say, like, sea dews are the worst. Surfers are a pain in the ass. Sure, sea dews are the fucking worst. Yeah, and when you're trying to do laps in a public pool, and some fucking <laughs> yeah. frosted no shit. Yahoo just drops the sea dew. You would be you. amazed how many people show up at the Verdugo Aquatic Center. With Thank a you. with a fucking sea dew. Oh Jesus my god! Christ. They won't let you bring a floaty in, but they'll let Thank you bring you. a sea dew in. Like, oh, I, I I have to leave my pool noodle in the car, but yeah. uh, this dude, oh boy, <sighs> Jesse, I'm I've gotten so worked up about sea dews. Do you want to take a little break and then come back for more? We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. Hi, I'm Travis McElroy. And I'm Teresa McElroy. And we're the host of Schmanners. We don't believe that etiquette should be used to judge other people. No, on Schmanners, we see etiquette as a way to navigate social situations with confidence. So if that sounds like something you're into, join us every Friday on Maximum Fun, wherever you get your podcasts. La, la, la. Hey, it's John Moe, inviting you to listen to Depression Mode with John Moe, where I talk about mental health and the lives we live with all kinds of people. Famous writers. David Sedaris, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Movie stars. Jamie Lee Curtis, welcome to Depression Mode. I am happy to be here. Musicians. I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm talking to Amy Mann. Great to talk to you. And song exploders. Rishikesh Hirway, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone's opening up on Depression Mode on Maximum Fun. It's Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. And I'm Linus Torvalds, and I pronounce Linux, Linux. This is a joke, Jordan. Here's the thing. I don't get the joke. I just like it. <laughs> you know how like when you're a when you're you know a kid I think we were talking about this a couple apps ago but like you just laughed at Mark Russell even though you know you didn't know who Norman Schwarzkopf was yeah just oh that's like laughing at uh, reruns in Mad Magazine where it's like Spyro Agnew they really yeah. sing that motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly um yeah I I I'm en- I enjoy Corey's commitment to that I like the voice it doesn't seem like a voice a white person shouldn't be doing, so I yeah, laughed fair. at it. Yeah. Maybe no it... one's whiter than a Finn. <laughs> yeah. So That's yeah, the but motto I... of the nation of Finland <laughs> <laughs> seems weird now that I say it. Yeah, uh, can someone explain the joke to me? So uh, Linus Torvalds, Linus Torvalds is the guy for whom Linux is called, named. Okay, and... is he the penguin? <laughs> that's yeah that's him so he he uh that's right he's one of those finished penguins of course he's uh, like, yeah sure <laughs> whatever jordan don't be a fucking idiot he's the philly fanatic jordan oh. he's the fucking philly fanatic <laughs> but but uh so he's finnish one of the most infamously difficult thing back in the old days when stupid things were hard was getting sound to work on your linux computer you sort of had to whittle your own linux computer out of a whole log in those days and um, you, one of the ways you would know whether your sound card worked is uh, you would play this MP3 that came with your Linux distribution. 
that was someone who had stuck a mic in Linus Torvald's face and said, will you say your name and also how to pronounce uh, Linux? And it was, my name is Linus Torvalds, and I pronounce Linux, Linux. And that was the joke. And then lots of people who were very frustrated and working into the wee hours trying to get their sound card to work found enormous relief, like sort of quasi-orgasmic relief when they heard this Finnish man explain how to pronounce their name, operating system's name. Uh, now, who is Microsoft Bob? <laughs> so he was this Finnish guy. Who, <laughs> They're all Finnish guys. Even Jeeves from Ask Jeeves? <laughs> oh, Jeeves was, no, Jeeves was Swedish. Oh, it's a okay. common mistake because right. there are a lot of Swedish Finns, but right, no, sure. he was he was a Swede. And a lot of Swedish fish at my house around Halloween. <laughs> nice. Jesse, you bitch. <laughs> I know. I love this stuff. You I can't. Bitch. Hey, give, give me the Swedish fish and nobody gets hurt. You nasty bitch. <laughs> I am pretty nasty. <laughs> I'm pretty. Look, Jordan, when it comes to Swedish fish, mm-hmm. I'm stank nasty. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Corey, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show and contributing what I'm sure will become a disgusting Jordan Jesse Go running joke i.e. slurry. Mm-hmm. Slurry. Good. Good. Um, Excellent. We're going to ride that train until the wheels fall off. Excellent. Or at least until we make it on top of a bridge in Chicago. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's some kind of slurry train, gravy train joke to be made in there. I can't think of it right now. There but is. I, yes. Maybe that's your homework. Oh, ooh, good. <laughs> homework. <laughs> Love it. I'm pooping down a hole in a Slurry train. <laughs> How about that? Is that anything? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Right? Wait, well, I think if whatever it is, it's outside the dynamic range of your mic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Corey. Yes. When's this book? When's this? When's this book hitting shelves? I mean, people should well, have pre-ordered it by now. We are recording this on the twenty-third of April. This is me lifting the veil. Yes. Uh, it comes out on the twenty-fifth. What of a April. beautiful bride! They'll say once you've lifted the veil. Yes. Comes out on the 25th on Tuesday. So it's there. People can just buy this shit. They can just buy it. I'll be, Will Wheaton did the audiobook, and there's a weird wrinkle about the audiobook that's a kind of Linuxy wrinkle. So I uh, don't you allow you say my... You say Will Wheaton did the audiobook like that's fucking impressive. I happen to know that there are literally 15, 16 year olds working on starships right now. That's true. That is absolutely true. It's true. I mean, Will Will was a pioneer, but he was the first. But that doesn't mean that he was the best at it. There are there are fifteen year olds right now who can drive a a spaceship with far less supervision mm-hmm. uh, than than he required as a young ensign. But um, I don't allow any of my work to be sold with digital rights management (DRM). Uh, it's it's a long story, but foundationally, like if you buy something from say Amazon, if you buy an Audible book. It's illegal for you to remove that audiobook from Amazon's ecosystem and play it somewhere else. So if you ever wanted to break up with Amazon, you have to throw away all your audiobooks. And this Wait, is obviously hold on, like hold on. Yeah. Even the number one ladies detective agency? Especially the yeah, Amy Tan uh is particularly susceptible to Section 1201 of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Bill Clinton had her in mind when he signed it. So the Joy Luck Club is gonna go down with the go down with the ship? Yeah. What yeah, other? Yeah. I'll never what? learn who moved my cheese. Uh, or what color your parachute is. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Or what planet women are from if men are from Mars. <laughs> sure. <laughs> They're from Mars too, right? <laughs> no, yeah, that's right. Men are from Mars. Women are from Mars. We're all from Mars. Fucking Martians everywhere. Um, <laughs> isn't that nice? Mm, yes. <laughs> um, 
So uh, I don't oh, allow Marvin myself the to, Martian. Yeah, yeah. I don't allow my stuff to be sold with DRM. And so that means that my audiobooks aren't available on Audible. But they are available everywhere else, which to a first approximation is not anywhere that anyone shops. But on the other hand, is a lot of stores. So there's Libro.fm, which is really amazing. They work like bookshop where you tell them what your favorite local bookstore is and they give them a share of every audiobook you buy, which is really hey, cool. that's cool. Uh, it's very, very cool. And then um, audiobooks.com. Google Play doesn't require DRM, so you can get them there. You can get them, you know, sort of everywhere except for for Audible and Apple Books, which is just Audible's front end. Corey, I... Uh cracked red team blues this morning over yes. over coffee yes. totally loved it cannot wait to finish it thank uh, you we I, I guess we should mention too it's a it's it's a i love a i love an eccentric pi novel i love yeah it. and this is a, a very cool version of that that i certainly have not seen before uh so yeah it's really nice i i get to read something in one of my favorite genres but also uh you know feel like i'm getting some new spice in there yeah, 67-year-old forensic accountants are unlikely heroes for two-fisted adventure stories, but I think he makes a good one. I think he's the biggest thing to hit this genre since Precious Remotesway, the number one <laughs> ladies' right. detective in all yes. of Botswana. Yes. Jordan, that means a lot to me. Uh, I loved Bubble. I think oh, thanks. you may have seen my review. I like both yes. of your guys' works, and the fact that you like my work actually does mean a lot. I know I'm we're we're all joking and laughing, but th- it means a lot. Thank you very much. Ah, shucks. Yes, yeah, same, same, same here. Thank you, thanks for coming on this goofball Thank show. You. Thanks for doing such cool stuff. And yeah, I can't wait to read the the other books in the Red Team. Blues on behalf series. of the whole network, I also want to thank you for. Uh, nominating our colleague Carrie Poppy for a Nobel Peace Prize. Yes, yes. Uh, well, if anyone deserves it, it's 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 her. She, yeah, or it's like she or it's her, or or like that Swedish girl that rides the boat around for climate change or something. Right. Yeah, she she's, could probably isn't she Finnish? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I like Greta. She's she should get a Nobel Peace Prize too. Or Malala. Yeah, like that. she got one. She did. I don't think you get two. You ever get that feeling like, how did Malala get a Nobel Peace Prize? And I haven't got shit. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even gotten a MacArthur. It's a popularity contest. I haven't got shit. It's not really about the peace. It's, you know, who's got the most Twitter followers. Oh, boy. Right. Okay. Well, Corey. Elon's getting one. The book is. (laughs) Yeah, weird. Elon got one. (laughs) I I knew it. (laughs) I knew it was about the Twitter followers. The book is called Red Team Blues. If you're listening to this, why not go get that? Go get that audio book and not have to worry about DRM, like the, which is a kind of computer that's coming after Precious Remote's way. Our producer on Jordan Jesse Go is Matt Lieb. Producer Emeritus Brian Sonny D. Fernandez. Our theme music is Love You by the Free Design, courtesy of the Free Design and Light in the Attic Records. Um, you can find us on social media, of course. Maximumfun.reddit.com is one place. Uh, we're on Twitter at Jordan Jesse Go. We're on Instagram at put.this.on and at Jordan David Morris. That's enough things. We'll talk to you next time on Jordan Jesse Go. I'll hug you and kiss you and love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.